zombies are tearing into my entrails as I lie there frozen and unable to scream. I'm running through a thick mass of giant spider webs hosted by a mass of giant black widows. I can feel them all over me, but they never do bite me. Planes are falling out of the sky. Giant blimps explode in the sky. I just described to you most of my recurring nightmares. Now count your blessings and enjoy the show. <laughs> That gave me the heebie-jeebies. It's like contagious. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Eric D. Former Podcast Show. I am your announcer. Here's your host, Eric D. See, I am jacking off with my guitar, yeah. (laughs) That was very nasty, right? Jacking off with my guitar. That's what they say as guitar players do. Yeah! Happy Monday, everybody. You're welcome for that little... Piece right there. I'm so egotistical. You didn't even thank me, but I still said, you're welcome for that little piece of music right there. (laughs) You know I don't mean it. Oh, yeah, I'm very modest. Hey, you know, I forgot something. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Hey, you know what? Last week when we, uh, talked about music, or talking about some of the music I'm excited to hear, and, uh, and I forgot to mention that, because I come across this song last week or a couple of weeks ago actually uh the new pearl jam okay now i was never a pearl jam fan i kind of always used to goof on eddie vetter with his voice oh yeah baby jeremy whatever that song is they have um and then all those singers around that time kind of sounded like that like uh stone temple pilots had that kind of voice uh hooting the blowfish you know i don't know i just was never a pearl jam fan i, I respect them they're great musicians and you know they're obviously you know did what they did to get where they're at and his voice you know although i don't care for his voice but he's a good singer because he's the sound of pearl jam and he's got them where they where they are today and uh, it just seemed like they disappeared for a while there and then they came back with this new song called dance of the clairvoyance and i'm thinking okay let me check it out it's an interesting title uh here it is I like this. 
Because I love that. Well, I love that bass line for one. That bass line is driving. I, and I like the direction he's going with his voice. It, it's, it reminds me of Peter Peter Gabriel, kind of. I don't know if you guys, any young guys out there or young people don't know who Peter Gabriel is. Well, Google it and you will find out. He's the one that goes, shock the monkey. He was also in Genesis and all that good stuff. Anyway. So, yeah, I like this direction. I mean, now, if, if this is what they're going to sound like on their next album, which I don't know if this is a part of a new album that's coming out, it just says new song available. It doesn't say anything about a new album or anything, but maybe this is a, maybe this is a soundtrack for some movie. Either way, I like it. I dig it. It reminds me of, it also reminds me of The Killers. I really love The Killers a lot. That's like one of my favorite bands from the 2000s that came out. Uh, like a real band, actually, that, that are musicians that actually play their instruments. I mean, there were a lot that play their instruments, but the killers, I just think they're really good. That's another one of my favorite bands I don't really talk about a lot, like, or I failed to mention. Uh, and, and they've always been, they've been actually an influence on some of my recent music. Uh, the singer Brandon Flowers, awesome vocalist, uh, great songwriters. Yeah, the killers. Check out the killers. I think every album, they grow. Like, they grow musically. You know, they first started kind of, they, they had that 80s goth sound. Not really 80s goth, but, you know, 80s kind of, the Cure, Bauhaus a little bit in their music. You can hear it, you know, maybe New Order or what's the other band that does that, a uh, Blue something song. Anyway, uh, yeah, so The Killers is cool. But then you, as you listen to their later albums, they kind of got more into, like, say, Bruce Springsteen, um, Dire Straits, like those kind of rule. Oh, Billy Joel, like that real, really good songwriting. Uh Without sounding like that, you know what I mean? Like, they still have their sound. Uh, but yeah, The Killers is cool. Now, back to Pearl Jam. So this is a good song by Pearl Jam. And I'd like to see more, or I'd like to hear more, maybe some other songs, that, that if it sounds like this. I just hope they don't go back to the little grungy Jeremy's Calling, whatever the song is called. <laughs> yeah, I just was never a fan of Pearl Jam, but I'm a fan of this, this Pearl Jam. This direction that they're going. Yeah. Another thing I want to mention, uh, you know, I was listening to my podcast uh, from last week, last Monday's episode on the 10th, and uh, I talked about the homeless situation, and I talked about a project, and I thought I was, I thought I was totally being original, I thought I made up something on the spot, the Homeless to Home project, and, and I usually do this, when I think of an idea that I think is great, I'll Google it to make sure it's not out there, this I was on the spot, I was recording, and just set, and it just popped in my head. I never heard it nowhere before, so I just assumed it was an original idea. Oh well, I go and Google it, and boom, there's a homeless home to homeless, homeless to home, animal shelter project. It's pretty big, and I, and I believe there's another like kind of homeless for humans um, foundation that's called the same thing. And so yeah, uh, hopefully they don't sue me if they hear my podcast, a little old podcast, and they decide to sue me for stealing what they already have. <laughs> it's like I stole it. I, wait, say, wait. They didn't steal my idea. I basically stole my own. Well, see, I thought of the idea, but I didn't get it from anywhere. So I, didn't, I, couldn't, stole, I, I couldn't have stolen it from anybody. But I thought of the idea thinking it was mine, but it, technically I stole it from somebody. Ah, oh, that's weird. Ah, you ever do that? You ever think of an idea and you think it's original, then you'll see someone else had it or, or like on the other side of the planet, and you'll think like, "Oh damn, they must have, they must have raped my mind for, for you know, for ideas." 
maybe there's like some kind of weird like satellite out there just transmitting all of our ideas and thoughts to to other people and uh yeah there's that or just another conspiracy theory tinfoil hat tinfoil hat <laughs> we gotta write a song called tinfoil hat yeah Ooh, that's a good idea for the political podcast political dumbass podcast tinfoil hat yeah we're still doing that. Uh, we haven't seen much episodes. We've been taking little breaks here and there. We're doing it every other week now. Uh, my brother's working on, I might, I've mentioned this in the last podcast, my brother's working on uh, his own main podcast, which is going to be this, uh, The Gothic Side of Life. They mean to butcher that. <laughs> the Gothic Side of Life, and it's going to be you know, all about Gothic culture and everything, Gothic music. He's going to actually interview me. We're working on that. I'm going to... Do a couple of classic Will-O-Wisp songs acoustically, and uh, yeah, and I'm just gonna talk music and my thoughts on music and uh, who I am as a musician. Yeah. So, yeah, two things I just wanted to clarify from the last episode. I find myself doing this a lot: is going back and listening to stuff and think, "Wow, I said that. Okay, I better fix it on the next episode." Or maybe I didn't even have to fix shit. <laughs> but I definitely wanted to let it. Before I get a bunch of people emailing me saying, oh, there's already a homeless to home project. Not like a bunch of people are going to be emailing me, but, you know, just in case. <laughs> That's the goal anyways. I have a bunch of people email me. Email me. E.D.E.E.F.U.L.L.M.E.R. at Yahoo.com. Email in the description. Catch me on Facebook. The Eric D. Fulmer Podcast Show on Facebook. Let me know your thoughts. Let's get, or I'm going to break out that satellite and snag them out of your brain. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> you know, I'm taping this, you know, ahead of the Monday that you're listening to it on right now. Um, been feeling fat. I'm going to fat shame myself. You know, I've been just, you know, like I said, I'm like 60, 70 pounds overweight. And, um, you know, I don't look bad, but it's like, you know, I mean, I'm not like a big blob or anything but you know uh, you know back when i was in my band and, and playing on stage you know but then again i was doing speed and meth and, and, and alcohol so you know of course i was gonna be pretty skinny but uh and i've always been kind of a big guy if you will you know i've always been six you know six two one ninety two hundred pounds you know i guess your average weight for a six two person six two but you know now i'm clocking at like 270 and shit so um but I've been like, it's been five pounds up, five pounds down, 10 pounds up, 10 pounds down. Vegan diet, vegetarian diet, you know, all these different diets. A lot of it's just not having that energy to, because my, I've been getting, you know, like I said, I have this arthritis in my foot and you probably hear me talk about this a lot. And I'm sorry if I'm going to make this into an arthritis show <laughs> or show about being fat and with arthritis. No, I'm not going to make it into that. But uh, yeah, I've just been uh, unmotivated to because my my ankles hurt, you know, so it's hard to really get into to going. But I'm going to go right now. Like I said, I'm taping this ahead of time, but I'm going to hit pause here in a second. I'm in a, and this is not procrastinating, or is it? But I'm going to hit pause here in a little bit. <laughs> and I'm going to fucking just go to the gym. I'm just going to jump in the damn gym, close and go, and just fucking burn off about 400 calories. And then I'm just going to try my hardest to just get into a routine and... You know, like I lost 35 pounds when I was on that keto diet and then I kind of got off it and went back up and, you know, and it's just, I did feel a lot better when I was eating straight vegetarian. Like now I've been just kind of back and forth. 
like the other night I had these great, I, I tried that Beyond Meat uh, burger patties for the first time, and damn, those were fucking good, okay, like those are actually really good, okay, and also tried a different brand, it was like the same same kind, but, and even the, those were like really good, it was like just, it was like real juicy meat, but it was a, but it was all plant-based, but it really tasted like a juicy meat, meaty burger, it's like they're getting better at it, so I'm going to, I think I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Trader Joe's. I'm going to shop there. I'm going to wear my one of my Iron Maiden shirts so that way the checker guy can ask me about it and, and pretend he's a fan. That's, that's the thing about Trader Joe's. <laughs> okay, I got I to gotta rip on Trader Joe's for a little bit here before I go to the gym. All right. Woo! Trader Joe's, hipster town. Trader Joe's, hipster town. <laughs> now, you go in there for one, right? And uh, I used to go in there quite a bit. And they always move shit around. Okay, they'll have the bread. This is I'm gonna complain about some stupid shit right here. But bear with me. Okay, they have the bread section over in near the vegetables and and, and fruits and stuff, which is kind of weird. Like, well, they have this, this weird little bread cart and the, and the bread. They have the bread rack, and then they got this little middle thing with the bread cart with this really good um, artisan style bread. You know, I always get it for my spaghetti and stuff. But uh, yeah, I'd go in there like once a week, and they'd move it. It'd be over there. Then I'd walk around and I can't find it. And then it's over by the wine section. Then a week later, it's back over there. And it's like, does somebody work there have OCD or something? I don't, I don't want to rip on anybody that has OCD, but that's just what I think is happening over there. Right? And then every time when I'm going to check out, you know, they're, they're, loading, they're, they're, they're ringing up my stuff, whatever. You know, they, they do their typical, hey, so how's your day? You got anything planned for the day? Like, you really fucking care? I understand it's your job to really ask, but and, and I'm not mad. <laughs> I sound like I'm mad, but I'm not mad. But what am I going to say? I'm going to say, yeah, I, I say the same thing every time. You know what I say? <laughs> ah, I'm just going to chill. Even though, I, like, there's been times I'm on my way to work, or I'm on my way to go do something, like, you know, entertaining or whatever. Hey, you got any plans today? Yeah, I'm just going to chill. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good day to chill. You know, he's got to, it's like. Because if I tell them what I'm going to do, then i got to have a conversation. I just want to get out of there, man. Just ring up my shit and let me go. You know? And then... So here's the thing, too. I think they're obsessed with t-shirts. Because while they're... Yeah, so while they're ringing my stuff up, you know, they're, like, looking at my shirt. And they're, like... You know, they're just trying to... They, they, they were trying to figure out what it is. And then, then they got to ask, Oh, what band is that? What? Like, I had Bathory on the other day. And, uh... What band is that? And they go, Bathory. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're like one of the original black metal bands, you know, but they were black metal back then in the 80s. Kind of gave them a little bit of history. Oh, okay. And then they always got a friend or a cousin or something that's into the same kind of music or something. Yeah, I got a cousin that was into speed metal. <laughs> okay, cool. Ring up my shit and let me go, man. And I had an Ozzy shirt on one day and the one dude was, you know, oh my God, yeah. Oh, yeah, Ozzy, Black Sabbath. That's my favorite band of all time. And this was back when uh, the album came out, the 13th album, when, when Black Sabbath got back together. And um, and so, yeah, so he's like, yeah, I'm a Black Sabbath fan. I love I love Black Sabbath. And I go, yeah, did you, did you check out their new album? He's all, which one? I go, 13. They got a new album out? <laughs> it was like, dude, if you're such a fan, you would know that. They're just hipsters, man. They just like shit that's vintage. Like his favorite album was Paranoid and shit, which is a good album. It's like, brilliant black sabbath album um yeah but trader joe's man and i got wear my little my little name tag for my work you know i work at the treatment center an alcohol and drug treatment center 
and they're always looking at it, like trying to figure out where I work. You know, like I can see their eyes just kind of staring right at it while they're trying to like make it not obvious that they're and I go, come on, just ask me where I work. They haven't yet, but <laughs> I'm sure they do. Where do you work? Oh, I'm an alcohol and drug counselor. Oh, really? I got a friend that's struggling with that. Yeah, I bet you're the one struggling, motherfucker. <laughs> come on, be honest with yourself. Be honest with me. How many did you? How much? How much do you drink a day? Oh, I just have a couple beers after work. Oh yeah, okay, cool. So you're like a social drinker. Can you go a day without drinking a couple beers after work? Well, yeah, but I don't really really like to. Okay. Is your life uh, uh, hectic right now, or, just, or is there everything together? No, everything's together. Got a good job. I love my family. Okay then, then you ain't got a problem with alcohol. If you're drinking a couple beers a day, a couple beers, and, and or you're really actually drinking six beers a day, going through a six pack a day, and you're just sitting on your couch and, and, and missing the opportunities and isolating yourself, then yeah, maybe you might have a problem. Or if you're getting in your car and driving to the liquor store after having a few, then yeah, you probably have a problem with alcohol. <laughs> People think like, I don't have a problem with alcohol, but yet I got a DUI. But they don't understand, well, that's what alcohol does. It, it, it impairs your judgment. You know what I mean? That's why they say it impairs your judgment, because you made a bad judgment call. Like, you were a little bit buzzed, and you decided to do something that, that could risk your life and others, right? If you were sober, and someone said, hey, can you uh, run across that busy highway? You know, there's like, it, like with a blindfold on? Because you're sober, right? And you're going to be like, hell no. But I bet if you were, like, buzzed, you'd be like, oh, let me give it a shot. <laughs> right? Okay, so you have a fucking problem with alcohol if you're doing that. Doesn't mean you're an alcoholic. Yeah, maybe you're not a full-blown... Maybe you don't wake up craving alcohol. Maybe you don't get the shakes if you don't drink. But you're still drinking and you're doing stuff that's irresponsible. Uh, that's why the commercials, when you see beer commercial or any kind of alcohol, it says in fine print. That's And I think they put it in fine print for a reason. You know? I'm not going to go into that, but... uh. But it, it does say in fine print on the bottom of the screen in the center. Drink responsibly. And all the people having a good time partying at the little bar. At the very bottom it says, drink responsibly. Even the guy will sometimes say, drink responsibly. <laughs> drink responsibly, people. Call an Uber. All right? There. There's your uh, lesson for today of alcohol and drug treatment and DUI diversion. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I'm going to take that break. I'm going to go to the gym, and I will be back. I'll put something in the middle here, like a little ditty. And in real time, I'll be at the gym for about a good hour. But in podcast time, I'll probably be back in about a minute. All right. Bye-bye. My dog ate my shoes, my gym shoes. 
Okay, use that as an excuse. No, I didn't go to the gym. It was cool. I burned about 455 calories. Yeah. Hey, what, what song is this? Yes, you guessed it. ACDC. Hell's Bell. I was jamming that record earlier. I'm going to put my guitar over there. Yeah. Damn. Okay, that was the first ACDC album I ever bought back in 19, I want to say, when did the album come out? Probably 81, 82. I probably bought it around 83. Uh, Kmart. And, yeah. And it was, I think actually that was my first introduction to ACDC was back in black. And I really didn't know anything about the Bon Scott era. You know, I, I've heard Balls to the Wall, or not Balls to the Wall, I'm thinking of Accept. <laughs> uh, what's the other one? You got Big Balls. Ah! I can't remember this shit. He's got Big Balls. You. Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. That album. Yeah, I had a neighbor that used to jam that album a lot. And I, like I said, I didn't know anything about the band, or, you know, I think I must have been, but 1983, I was probably, damn, I was. At least in eighth grade. You think I would have knew a little bit about that kind of shit. <laughs> I was a nerd. If you heard my last episode or the one in episode three, I talk about being bullied around that time. So I didn't have time to get into a lot of, you know, music. <laughs> Mostly toys and getting bullied. But yeah. Uh, but Back in Black. I think it's one of the most, I think it's probably the greatest rock album ever created. I say that a lot about <laughs> I say that about a lot of records like Appetite for Destruction is one of them uh, from Guns N' Roses, but I don't know. Just to me, I think Back in Black. No matter when you put it on, no matter what part of your life you're experiencing or where you're at in life or whatever you're going through in life, you put on Back in Black and it's just it's like a it's it's like a brand new record every time. It's timeless. If there's any word that like if like timeless would be the word that would define what back in black is in other words if you attach the word timeless to like you know oh that song is timeless and stuff if you attach it to back in black i mean that's that's what it means like if you were to rewrite the definition for timeless in the dictionary it would say timeless definition back in black by acdc <laughs> ah! <laughs> Get it right, man. But yeah, uh, so I bought it on vinyl. On, you know, I got the record. You know, there's that dirty word vinyl. It's got Back in Black, Hell's Bells, Shoot the Thrill, Give it a Dog a Bone, What Do You Do for Money, Honey, Rock and Roll 8, Noise Pollution. Let me put the love into you. <laughs> Let me put my love into you. I think that's my favorite song in the album. That's such a great song. Uh... And then Hell's Bells, obviously. When I first bought this in 83, I played it backwards because, you know, there's that whole thing about, yeah, uh, you know, the evangelist for screaming, stay away to heaven, and you play it backwards, it's, it says the devil's coming for you and all that shit. What year did this come out? I'm trying to see. Ah, it doesn't say. I'll have to Google it, but I don't have time to do that. Anyway, so yeah, so I played it backwards, right? And I played the song Hell's Bells backwards on my record player. And then again, this is back in 1983. 
when that shit was happening. That shit's probably always been happening, but uh, nothing happened. I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear, we want to rip your soul or we want to bring you to hell. I didn't hear any of that. It's already saying hell's bells. What's it supposed to say backwards? Live here. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, so I did that, right? But then when I played it again, you know, just regular, I put the record on one day. And it just sounded different to me. It sounded like, it didn't sound like the same record. And I don't know, like I was telling myself, wow, this sounds like a totally different record. Same with the Kiss Dynasty. I, I had both those albums around the same time. And I played Kiss Dynasty backwards. And I, and I remember putting them both on at various times and thinking that they just sounded completely different, like a whole different band. I don't know what it was. It was, was it my ears messing with me? Or maybe really Satan got into my album and, and, and fucked it all up or something. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, just I always remember that. I remember playing it backwards, not hearing those satanic messages, and then playing it forward, and it just sounding like a completely different record. And I'd already played it backwards like once. It's not like I played it backwards a bunch of times and got used to that sound, and it, that's why it sounded different forward. I don't know. It's, unex it's one of those uh, mysteries of mine, that, the unexplained. I have a lot of those... Uh, from my childhood, which I try to think back, was it a memory? Was it a dream? Did it really happen? You know, a lot of weird shit happened when I was like five, maybe four and five, that I vaguely remember as being really trippy. But I can't remember if they were dreams or if they really happened. Do you have any of those? You can't tell if they're dreams, nightmares, or actual memories of something that really did happen? Tell me about it. But back in back to back in black by ACDC. It's a fucking great album. You know, I just had to get that out. Get that out of my system. <laughs> Let's move on. What is next on the list to talk about? Hey, how about that coronavirus? That's still happening? How many are you tired of hearing all the corona beer jokes <laughs> and the corona memes and there was one lady who was dumping all of her Corona beer into the sink, and the meme said something like, you know, she's trying to stop the coronavirus, or she thinks that this is going to stop the coronavirus. Yeah, you had to be there to see it to make it even more funnier, because you know the way I explain shit. But yeah, Corona. Oh, yeah, then the other one is, uh, you know, you can get a lime, because, you know, we always, if you're going to drink Corona. Now, I'm talking about back when my when I used to drink. Remember, I'm sober, eight years sober. Um, but yeah, I used to love Corona, Corona and a lime. So I guess now it's... Coronavirus in the Lyme. It's coronavirus and Lyme disease. <laughs> Watch him, we laugh like Joker. <laughs> That's my Joker impression. Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Great movie. I don't want to get into that right now, though. But the coronavirus, yeah. Um, on Facebook, one of my friends shot me a video in my messenger, and because uh, I guess he tried to post it on his wall, and it got banned from Facebook. I guess it's like these guys in a big, I guess you could say like a summit in a sense. Like there's generals, and then there's like a, some uh, politician-looking dudes or whatever. Not sure what their role is, but they're all talking about the severity of this coronavirus and what we need to, you know, how we need to contain it, and then it's going to get out of hand. It's about a six-minute video. And he said it got banned and, and stuff, but I posted it on my wall, and it seems to still be up there, and people are commenting on it. But uh, it sound, it looks like a video that could be a deep fake. Um, 
there's no title to it. Or at least I didn't see a title. But yeah, so I want to play it here. I don't want to see, you know, what happens. <laughs> it's just an experiment. If you're listening to this, I guess nothing happened. But if you're not hearing this, then maybe this whole thing got phased out and you're not hearing this anyway. But yeah, my, my, my theory is that the guys in the black, the men in black came in and uh, wiped it out. Classified. Unclassified. I'm going to post them. I'm going to post them. Unclassified. Well, I guess it's classified because it's on Facebook. But anyway, I was going to say, I was going to post the unclassified video. So here it is. Let me set it up. So again, it's a video of these guys. A big. This guy's named Mr. Cotton, who will be talking first. Uh, like I said, he's in like a suit. Looks like he could be like a government agent or something. And uh, he's talking in a huge room. Uh, again, there's no title to the video. And if I do see one, I'll mention it later. All right, here we go. I want to talk about the biggest and the most important story in the world, the Wuhan coronavirus. This coronavirus is a catastrophe on the scale of Chernobyl for China. But actually, it's probably worse than Chernobyl, which was localized in its effect. The coronavirus could result in a global pandemic. While you were all sleeping overnight, the number of diagnosed cases in China increased by 30%. Now, let me be clear, that's not new cases, that is just newly admitted cases. It is probably several orders of magnitude higher than that. Also, while you were sleeping, China now has its entire border with Russia closed, 2,600 miles. Russia has closed that border. El Al has shut down travel between Israel and China. Air France has shut down China between travel between China and France. And that's in addition to all the other countries that have already shut down travel. From what we know so far, and there's still many unknowns, this virus could have both a long incubation period, as much as 14 days, and individuals could be contagious while asymptomatic, which was not the case with SARS in 2003. Furthermore, from some cases, it appears the virus could be aerosolized, which means it doesn't require the kind of contact that you have with, say, a married couple kissing each other or a family living in close quarters in a hotel or apartment, but rather the distances we are all sitting apart right now. Yet China is still lying about all of this. They've been lying about it from the very beginning, and you don't need their history of lying about SARS in 2003, though it is relevant here, you just have to see what's happened over the last two months. We now know that the first case manifested no later than, no later than December 1, even though China didn't reveal it to the WHO until a month later on December 31st, when they continued to hide it from their own citizens. And they continued to say that it had been contained inside Wuhan. Today, it is in every single province in China. They also claimed for almost two months until earlier this week that it had originated in a seafood market in Wuhan, that locals had contracted it from animals in, say, bat soup or snake tartare. That is not the case. The Lancet published a study last weekend demonstrating that of the original 40 cases, 14 of them had no contact with the seafood market, including patient zero. As one epidemiologist said, that virus went into the seafood market, 
before it came out of the seafood market. We still don't know where it originated. Could have been another seafood market. Could have been a farm. Could have been a food processing company. I would note that China, that Wuhan also has China's only biosafety level four super laboratory that works with the world's most deadly pathogens to include, yes, coronavirus. Now, look at China's own actions. They have quarantined 60 million people, 60 million, more than the entire population of our West Coast. They've shut down schools indefinitely. Classes canceled nationwide indefinitely. Hong Kong, a part of China, has basically shut down all travel from the mainland. That's why it is essential that we immediately stop all travel on commercial aircraft between China and the United States. Making exceptions, of course, for American citizens to come back, as we just brought back yesterday. Allowing essential trade to flow as long as crews on ships and aircraft are not allowed to go into the general population in America. And making exceptions, of course, for medical personnel to go into China to try to get a handle on this. It is essential that we take those steps. And essential that we get to the bottom of China's deceit and incompetence on this measure. And gentlemen, I, I raise this with you because you are responsible in your combatant commands for some countries that have the most fragile public institutions to include the most fragile public health institutions in the world. So I ask, even though as of this morning there are not yet confirmed cases of coronavirus in your combatant commands, though I suspect there will be soon, what is your assessment about the ability of the governments in your combatant commands to handle a potential global pandemic like this? General Townsend. Thanks, Senator. Um, so there are not uh, any that I'm aware of any confirmed cases, as you mentioned, but there are some suspected cases. Uh, the first suspected report of suspected case I've heard of is in Djibouti, which you would imagine with the significant Chinese presence there. Uh, so. The, the capacity of African nations to deal with this problem varies widely. Uh, for example, in uh, Eastern Africa, Central East Africa, there's, uh, they've been dealing with Ebola, and they've been dealing with Ebola largely on their own and doing a pretty good job of it. So I think capacity there, but anywhere else in Africa is probably not to that degree. Admiral Fowler. The Venezuela crisis has already strained the social services of many of the nations. As, as you're aware, Senator, we had to deploy the hospital ship Comfort twice in one year to last deployment uh, 12 different nations. And in one five-day span, it can do a, the equivalent of a whole month for a, a region of some of the major countries. So I would be extremely concerned. Uh, like uh, General Townsend, uh, the capacities vary widely, but in many cases they're strained into the limit. I'd be very concerned if we saw this spread. Thank you. As a, as a defensive measure, I just say again, it is essential that we shut down all commercial air travel immediately between the United States and China. As an offensive measure, because that probably won't stop it entirely, and because if it becomes a global pandemic, we have to deal with countries with very limited capabilities here. We need a Manhattan Project-level effort to work with our best research scientists and laboratories in this country to develop a vaccine as quickly as possible. Is that crazy or what? Damn. Sorry, <laughs> that was a long video, but, you know, it's part of the show. The show that's unpredictable. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, and uh, the fact that he said Djibouti. I didn't know there was a place called Djibouti. <laughs> hey, check out Djibouti. No, but, uh, yeah, crazy stuff, huh? So, 
I guess I was Senator Cotton. Cotton. I thought he looked familiar. I guess maybe maybe they're in like somewhere in the Oval Office, not in the Oval Office, but somewhere in the Pentagon. That's what it kind of looks like. The scene looks like they might be in the Pentagon or something. There's all these generals sitting around and important looking people. And yeah, and um, it was crazy. So my friend sent me that video, and I thought I'd share it with you guys. Oh, it's funny too. I was thinking, uh, this is how The Walking Dead started, right? <laughs> Anyway, and there's one guy, one of my friends, he, he made kind of a, eh, kind of a, a, I guess you could say it's kind of a pretty neat theory that it kind of almost so, sounds similar to the T-virus in Resident Evil. And it kind of makes sense because Corona, okay, C-O-R-O-N-A, well, the, the T-virus in Resident Evil started in Raccoon City. And raccoon is actually anagram for Corona because, you know, the word, the letters in Raccoon, if you scramble them around, it spells Corona. I was like, oh, I think you're onto something, man. <laughs> yeah, this is, I think we're going to have us a real live Resident Evil game. Resident Evil. Oh, I still love that game, man. I wish I had my PS1, play Resident Evil 1 again. And, and, uh, and I, oh, yeah, I think my favorite was Resident Evil 2. I think that's the only one I actually ever beat all the way through. Uh, but I like that. That was on PS1 too, and I believe when PS2 came out, that was Resident Evil 3 or whatever that one was called. That was a good game too. Yeah, I should go get me a PlayStation One and Two. And just yeah, that's what I should go buy. I have a little bit of extra money. Maybe I should go buy me a PlayStation. I probably won't ever play it though. I always say I want to play video game. I downloaded a uh, Grand Theft Auto Five on my laptop, you know, and I started getting into it but damn i'm so shitty at these kind of games like you know i love blue blackwater man she beat res uh, she beat grand theft auto 5 like a, uh, i don't know at least five or six times and she's probably i think i guess apparently you never really beat the game well you do in a way but i guess there's always expansions and different things you could do even after you beat it there's a bunch of other little games you play and all this stuff so but yeah i'm still stuck on the part where the two black guys steal a, get in the car they, or they repo those two cars and they're just and I, I just suck at driving and then do it on a laptop you have to control with the with the letters you know like so like w a s and w d or some shit so yeah but i get so far and i love the graphics and everything i just love the music and, and the and the storyline but i i can only play so much and then i get frustrated and i just turn it off so People are like, oh, are you a gamer, man? Is that why you got that gaming laptop? I was like, no, I got the gaming laptop because I wanted to do more stuff musically with with better software. Because my regular computer, my PC that I'm actually using right now to record this on, is about on its way out because I'm, you know, now uh, I guess it was Windows stopped all the updates for it, so <laughs> I got that notification, and it's like I got this big old huge hard drive at at my at my job. I was gonna bring it home and put all my important stuff onto it. It's like a terabyte, one of those hard terabyte hard drives. Uh, just put all my important stuff just in case my computer decided to just completely conk out one day because of HP, or not HP, but because of Windows, not updating the shit. But anyway, I like this little PC. It's been with me for about seven or eight years now. <laughs> uh well, I like my laptop too, but it's weird. Like when I record this podcast on my laptop, it, it sounds weird. So I don't know. I got to figure out how the settings work on it. Enough of that. All right. How was your Valentine's? It was Valentine's. You know, it was on Friday, which is a good day for Valentine's. 
I didn't do much. You know, my girl, she's still in Canada. She's got some challenges she's dealing with. And, uh, you know, I sent her a, a, a couple of nice Valentine's gifts. Unfortunately, they're not going to get there till after Valentine's, but, you know. And then she's sending me some stuff, too. But, you know, we're on the phone every day and video chat and all that good stuff. So, uh, we're just going through some challenging times right now with some issues that happened last year that, you know, that I really don't want to get into over the air, you know, just out of respect. But uh, it's getting worked out, you know. We're no strangers to the long distance thing. We did it for eight years before she moved here in 2015. And, you know, stayed here for about, lived here for about three, good three and a half, almost four years before a situation last year that happened and uh, where she had to kind of go back to Canada for a little bit. Uh, it's taken a little bit longer than what we expected, but, you know, what we did before, it's all about hope. You keep that little string of hope alive and you just do what you do. Just keep moving forward. Keep that little string of hope, you know, alive and just keep moving forward. And things will fall into place. Things are going to happen when they happen. You know, as long as you're doing what you do and you're doing everything that you need to be doing in life, things will start falling into place. You know, there's some things you just can't control. Some things you just can't make happen out of thin air. So you just have to be patient. And, and you know, and then you also got to know when when it is time to give up. You know, there's we all think we all have those moments when, OK, well, got to throw in the towel, you know, but uh, we're just not there, you know, and uh, I don't think we'll ever be at that point. But. You know, because we love each other, and uh, the love is deeper than than deep can be. <laughs> My boy Yang dropped out, man. Just getting a little bit of politics. You know, I know this show is not about politics. I mean, although I go into a little bit, but yeah, Andrew Yang, man, I was really pulling. I know he's always been, you know, always coming last on all the percentages. You know, the Iowa, and I don't even think he showed up on the Iowa list. <laughs> if he did, we didn't see it on the on in the media. I think he got a fair uh, unfair shake in the media too. He did like a lot of good interviews and stuff, and and they always had him on when they when they could. But I just feel like because they kept talking about Biden and Warren and all the Buttigieg and uh, Sanders. And it's just like, you know, Yang has got the, this guy's smart, man. This guy's got, he's, he knows what it, he knows what it takes to, to turn this shit around. And he's not a career politician. I don't think he was ever a politician. Uh, but yeah, he's got it going on. He, and I was really counting on a thousand dollars a month. Now I got to return all this shit that I bought ahead of time. Cause I was so sure he was going to be the president and I was going to get that thousand dollars a month. So I went out and bought a bunch of guitars and, and, and records. And now I got to return all that shit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But, uh, that would be funny if I did though. Oh, fuck yeah, man. Get the thousand dollars a month. Free money. Yeah. Free money. Who's going to pay for it? I don't know. <laughs> That's all everyone asks. Who's going to pay for it? I don't know. Same people is paying for the fucking wars and all the and, and keeping the billionaires and the one percent fucking nice and rich and wealthy. That's who's gonna pay for it, you know. Wall Street. That's who's gonna pay for it. Why not? They pay for all the other shit we don't need. When it comes to stuff we actually need, you know, to help some people out. Like, what is wrong with helping people out? Like, I don't understand. Like, these people are like, oh, they're good. The government's not there to give handouts. The government is there to work for the people. We don't work for the government. We we hire these people. When, when we elect people in the office, we hire them to work for us. 
And right now, there's a lot of people that they're not working for. They're only working for rich people. You know, they're not creating healthy and, and, and great pathways. There's people that are delusional thinking, well, you just got to get out there and get a better job. And the job market's really good right now. Yeah, well, it is. It, it, you're right. A lot of people have like three jobs. It's, a lot of people have more jobs than they can handle in a day, but they shouldn't even have to be working three jobs, you know? It's like, fuck. But you... You know, you try to go get a job somewhere, and, and, and they they don't they turn you down because maybe you you had a, a pass, a criminal pass that you actually paid your dues for. Uh, you know, it's a stupid little shit like that. And then they or they hire somebody that's less qualified, but maybe it's a relative or something. You know, or they make you go through an extensive freaking application process just to apply for a fucking stocking job at Target. If I wanted a job at Target, if I just wanted to work in the back and stock stuff, I have to go through a fucking two-hour application, email it. And I did that before, like when I first moved here. I did two hours on that damn application. They need to get this personality test, and it's almost like Scientology and shit. Like asking you like all these weird questions, and then ask you the question again in a different form. And, and it's like almost like they're tricking you to... And it's like, you know, that's probably why they turned me down, because I didn't understand the questions. I didn't understand why they even applied to me if I'm applying for the, they say, hey, what job are you applying for? I said, stock room. You know, I didn't say I'm applying for the, to be a cashier. Be great if I move up to that, but I was applying for that. So why are these questions applying to me? And then guess what? I do all that. And then three days later, I get an email. Sorry, we decided to pass on your application. <laughs> Gee. Then you go in and there's like, listen, I'm not, I, I love people. And I understand handicap, and, and, and there's people that are uh, with, what do you say, slow adults. You can't call them retarded anymore. But people that, like with Down syndrome, they're working there, you know. And I understand that it's part of a service that you know, there's a company that employs people with special needs. And, I mean, that's great. But do they have to go through that same application process that I had to? Or the other Americans have to? Or what about someone who's disability who's on dis disabled and, and their SSI is barely enough to, to the rent keeps raising, but their SSI keeps getting deducted. In other words, you know, or their money's gonna and I think in the, from what I understand, the SSI is gonna get cut into Medicaid and all that stuff from the new budget and is gonna lower people's monthly SSI and it's like they so the guy that says, well, they just got to get out there and get a better job. Well, what about other people that can't work because of their disability? Where do they put into it? God, man, you got some delusional people out there. And you got a lot of these Trumpers are like, okay, we want to tax. We, we feel like the billionaire should actually have a, a, a fair, uh, have to pay a fair share of taxes. In other words, there's no reason why. Why is it, if I, if I make $50,000 a year, and I have to pay a big chunk of taxes, even after write-offs and everything like that. Why is it that Jeff Bezos can profit $11 billion in a year and not pay any taxes? I mean, come on. How is that even fair? But if we tax uh, the 1%, the individuals and the corporations, then they're all going to just leave and go to another country. Well, then you know what? Then they're not fucking Americans. They're just greedy pigs. If, if they're not... If they... If because they're paying a, a fair share in taxes, they decide that, well, we don't want to be in America no more. We're going to take our business elsewhere to another country. Then that's not being an American. Come on. And it's mostly poor people. It's mostly like Trump supporters are, that are mostly like not very great off financially. They're like rooting for the billionaires as if they're going to get a chunk of that money or something. 
they're rooting for like all this stuff that Trump is doing for all the rich people, but they're not doing. He's not doing nothing for them, but they're rooting it on. They're saying, "No, oh, go Trump!" <laughs> and it's like, come on, the fuck you cheering that on for? He's not even. He doesn't care about. If you make less than fifty grand a year, he don't care about you. Shit, if you make less than two hundred grand a year, he don't care about you. You're just a blip to Donald Trump. You know? So Yang's out. Bernie Sanders, he looks like he's doing well. I'd like to see Bernie do it, man. I think Bernie's the only one that can beat Trump. But, you know, Bernie's got that whole, I think his, you know, that Medicare for all is going to hurt him. I don't know. I don't know enough about his policy because I like Buttigieg. Buttigieg is Medicare for all, but he's also giving people that, that choice. He's actually making it clear that if you don't want it, you don't have to have it. You want to keep your regular insurance, you can keep that. He's making that clear. What I think is really funny is that Biden and Warren are just fucking losing it. <laughs> you know, we only did two states so far, so we'll see how it goes. I think what is Nevada, South Carolina's next. But anyway, I, I got to get off the subject because I'm going to be talking about this on uh, on a political dumbass. We taped our last episode on Friday, and uh, not our last episode, but we just taped a new episode on Friday. It's a new one that we've had. Like I said, we took that two week uh, break or whatever. And so we taped it on Friday and we talked about all of this. So, and uh, yeah, so here I'm rapping about it again. Anyway, got 10 minutes left. I'm going to take a break, figure out what I'm going to do and say next. Uh, keep you people hanging on. Sorry if I lost you. I'll get you back some way. <laughs> all right, I'll be back in two and two. And if I lie, you can sue me. I lied about two minutes, so now you gotta sue me. <laughs> hey, what song is this? No, wait, wait, that's it. Hold on, what song is this? <laughs> Remember Alda Nova from, uh, the Canadian dude. Ah. Yeah, I saw that video and I was goofing around on YouTube a little bit ago and uh, came across that video. Yeah, that was one of the first videos I've seen on MTV. Alda Nova, fantasy. Life is but the fantasy. <laughs> I think that's how it goes. Uh, you know what? Uh, when you're listening to this, it's probably going to be after. No, it's, it's actually going to be after Valentine's Day. Uh, for me right now, it's Valentine's Day. I'm just taping this right now. It's Friday the 14th. Valentine's fell on a Friday. Unfortunately, um, I'm alone on Valentine's Day. Well, I'm not alone. I got my love of my life, Blue. I want to wish you a happy Valentine's Day, and I wish you could be here. Blue, I love you. You're the love of my life, and uh, I know you're going through some little bit of challenges right now, but um, I'm there for you. You know, we've always had each other's backs. We've always been there for each other. That's what made us last, I think, we're going on 12 years now. Uh, we met way back on MySpace. Back when MySpace was a thing, way before even Facebook. <laughs> well, I think Facebook was just coming out. Uh, I think she might have been on it before me, because I know she's the one to help me set up my Facebook account after we met on MySpace. But yeah, well, we met, you know, I was living in Van Nuys, and I was living in North Hollywood, which is kind of near Van Nuys, but... Uh, I was still in my addiction, drinking, 
doing meth every now and then with my neighbor, or not my neighbors, but my roommates. And, uh, yeah, and then I just got out of a divorce. I think I was about a year out of, a year, maybe two years of being separated with my ex-wife and then having a divorce finalized and everything. And I just, it, you know, typical, typical Eric, when he's single, he's a raving slut. He goes out and fucks anything he can. And, and that's what I did about a year, the first year I moved into Hollywood. You know, it was like almost every other night I was with some different chick or whatever. Wasn't used, using protection until I met my ex-wife and, uh, and things just kind of went from there. 15 years later and then that marriage got nuked thanks to my addiction and much other stuff as well but uh yeah that's another story so within those two years after you know during the divorce and the separation all the stuff like that, I didn't I didn't uh didn't really meet any other women or go out I didn't try to go out and get with any other chicks I still use the word chicks <laughs> um yeah so but I'd go and I'd goof around on, uh, on the computer. Like I said, I had a MySpace account and I didn't know nothing about Facebook. And then uh, this girl Blue messaged me and uh, talked a little bit on, on through Messenger, if I remember. And I think I gave her my phone number. And then she called. And then I remember, I remember my roommate's like, Eric, I got this girl named Blue on the phone. And he's like, It sounds like a guy though. <laughs> I'll tell you about that a little bit later, but anyway, so I get on the phone with her, and uh, yeah, it's her, and then, so we would spend a lot of nights just talking, like, late at night, uh, probably at least about a month, month and a half, this was around, I want to say, October of 2007, and uh, yeah, we were just, she would tell me all these, because she's native, so, and she's from uh, Blackfoot, I believe is her tribe, she's on the Blood Reserve, uh, yeah. Because she'd always tell me about how the Cree, there's like this other tribe called Cree, and I thought, oh, you mean like Cree, like as in Thanos, and, and, and like the Scrolls versus the Cree, and you know, me being the comic book geek. <laughs> so now Cree, and then it, you know, it's another tribe, and I guess like her tribe is always warred against it. But anyway, she would tell me these these fascinating stories, and, and you know, and then ghost stories, and just late at night, you know, and I just found myself falling in love with her. Uh, like I said, with no intentions. That's why I always say, I tell people, you know what? Love hits you when you don't even expect it. Like, you don't, when you're not even looking for it. Like, it's, you got people, oh, come on, I can never find the right one. I can never find the right one. It's because you're kind of, because you're looking too hard. Or, you know, you just got to sort of let it happen. And when it happens, don't push it away. Just let it happen. And just let it see where it goes. And, and so that's what was happening with, with me, with talking to Blue. And I, and I believe she was feeling the same because it was around February of 2008 maybe even a little bit before that is when we might have been the end of January somewhere and I was, you know, like again, drinking at that time, my brain's a little bit foggy. <laughs> uh, but that's when we kind of said on the phone, like, hey, why don't we, you know, let's change our relationship status and I really like you, you really like me, and da, 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 da. and it just happened, you know, and then like, I just remember hanging up the phone that day and I was going to work and I just had this like, you know they always say like when you when you know you fell in love is when you see fireworks and and uh, everything just looks different. I really never ever had that, even though I was my ex wife and we thought that was love and everything. But I never had that. Never had it where like 
I'm freaking like looking at the sky and I'm looking at the trees. I'm just, you know, it's a, it was a sunny day that day. Even if it was rainy, I would see it as a sunny. That's how powerful it was. That And just going to work with a big smile on my face thinking, wow, I've, you know, I'm in love. I found the one, you know, and it's just like, and that, and that just continued. And uh, yeah, 2008. So what is that? 2008, 2018, that's 10 years, 1920. So what? Are we, are we going on 13 years? My math is bad. She's going to have to help me out. Help me out with this, Blue. How long have we been together? <laughs> a, bit, a, a million guys around this. So actually, so what I'm getting at, this is Valentine's Day and it's also Blue and I's uh, anniversary. So whether it's our 13 year anniversary or 12 year anniversary. <laughs> But yeah, we had some challenges last year. I don't want to get into it. It's just personal. But uh, in the, she had to move back to Canada for a little bit. You know, some stuff that she had to take care of back home. It's taken a little longer than we expected, but we're hoping to, you know, get things back together, get her back down here. You know, sometime this year, maybe later in the year. Or so, uh, you know, she comes out and visits whenever she can. Stays for a week or so. Working on the next visit. Unfortunately, we just the timing. We just couldn't get her here for Valentine's. But uh, and then hopefully, I have, maybe if I can find a break from work, I can go there. You know, I still got my passports and everything. And she's not very far. You know, above Montana, not too far from the border. Uh, just on the other side of the, I guess you could say, country. No, not the country, but you know what I mean. We're in the United States. They're Canada, across the border. Yeah. Yeah, I miss I miss you, Blue, and I wish wish you were here today, and uh, I know we'll be together soon. You know, we did eight years before she moved in with me. Her and her daughter moved here in 2015 here to Portland. You know, everything was right at that time. I was getting my new career started, and you know, I had a good amount of sobriety. That was a big factor of us moving in together early before that because I just had to have my shit together, and uh, so. Once I got my shit together, that was one of my goals was to have that happen, and it did. Um, so yeah, but last year when our those challenges occurred, we just had to say, you know what, we did eight years long distance. We're no strangers to the long distance relationship, and we our love is strong enough to to last that through that. So we could do it again. You know, they can knock us down; they'll never knock us out. You know what I'm saying? All right. <laughs> I want to say happy Valentine's to everyone out there. Hopefully you are with the one that you love and that special someone with you, even if it's not your intimate partner. Maybe it's someone like a, a close friend or your parents or your mom or your dad or just whoever's in your life that's special to you. Don't take that shit for granted, you know. Here today, gone tomorrow. Just like that. 